And so we're going to do that today through a thought we're calling the Waymaker. The Waymaker. So this is going to be in Romans chapter 15. And we're going to press into our theme today. And we were talking about continuing even though it's hard. You ever been there? You keep going even though you don't want to. Right? So I'm sure all of us are sitting in this room as a product of that. Somewhere along the way there was a woman who didn't want to. Right? Just physically speaking. I'm tired of pushing. I'm tired of this labor. I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of waiting. And yet thankfully she kept on. And so we're the product of that. So we understand what it is to have to press into something when it's hard. When you don't like what you're having to deal with. But you can't walk away from it either. And so today we're going to look through this thought of being a, a way maker. Romans 15 is where we're going to be. Uh, but always we like to talk first. And so I'm going to ask you a question or two here as we begin. So here's the first question. Have you ever been in a situation where it looked like there was no way out? Don't think so? Maybe kind of like in life you had turned down a road, but you didn't realize it, but that was just a dead-end road. And when you got there, it was just kind of, I don't know what to do now. And I think sometimes we may feel a little boxed in or a little hemmed in or... This didn't turn out the way I was thinking, and I don't know what to do next. Like sometimes it's just I, I don't know how to get out of this. And that can be frustrating. It can be discouraging. And so today we're going to look at trying to find a way out. You know, you can turn around and start over. That's right. Or sometimes a way just opens, Right? And that's who we're going to talk about here in just a minute. There's a guy, though. Have you heard of Harry Houdini? You remember Houdini? He's like one of the, one of the best illusionists ever. You know, at least for his day up to that point, he was one of the best ever. Well, Harry Houdini had a, an illusion that he did, and maybe you've seen this before, where he would handcuff himself, and then he'd be put in a crate, a wooden crate. They'd put a lid on the top of the crate, and they'd nail the crate shut. And then they had ropes attached around that crate. And this was all on a ship. And so there would be a big crane that would come out and it would scoop up those ropes and it would lift up that box with Harry Houdini in it. And it would bring that box over the edge of the boat and it would lower that box to the bottom of the river with Harry Houdini in it. Okay? And so that sounds terrifying, doesn't it? I, mean, I don't know of a worse way to die than being handcuffed, put in a box, and thrown in a river. That just sounds terrifying to me. And so yet, here would be Harry Houdini and 30 seconds would pass and a minute would pass and all the people are like, what's going on? You know, he, he's not going to make it. Somebody needs to help him. A minute and a half would pass. And they said it usually took him about two minutes before he would surface. And somewhere way on down from the ship, you'd see Harry Houdini come out of the water and then they'd lift out the crate and it's still fully sealed. Right? And everybody would do what? Ooh, ah, yeah, like, this is amazing. How did he do that? This guy is phenomenal. Uh, so, he found a way out. You know, being sealed up, being boxed in, and yet still being able to find a way out. And I think that's how our lives can be sometimes. And, you know, people we talk with, especially unbelievers, that's how they seem to handle, or that's, seem, that's how they seem to look at some of the situations they deal with. I feel like I don't know what the next step is in my marriage. I know what it is, I just don't want to take it. Or I don't know what the next step is for me in my job. I don't understand why I'm here, why I'm going through this. And, 
And so we're looking for a way out, but it's like there's no hope. Right? So Harry Houdini was an illusionist. He always had a back door of escape. Right? And you can Google online and you can find out how he got out of the underwater casket. Um, but we don't have that kind of trap door. Or we don't have that little secret up our sleeve that kind of does away with the illusion. The reality of life is sometimes we get boxed in. Sometimes we're in that dead end and we don't know how to get out. And that's where our way maker comes in. And so as we look at the text today, what I really want us to see is that God is our way maker. And so if you'd like to follow along, we're going to read verse 1 through 13 here. The specific context, you've got Paul writing to some believers in Rome. And this was predominantly Jewish people, probably a few Gentiles at this point. Um, but he's writing the specific context. He's trying to get these people to blend together, all right, to unite in faith. But in the midst of that, he's going to give us this broad picture of God and how he helps us navigate or endure difficulty. And so we'll begin in verse 1 and we'll go through verse 13 here as we follow along. It says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it's written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles shall hope. And so now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we can see there the connection between the Jews and the Gentiles. We're trying to understand that the Savior came to make a way to bridge the gap between these different groups of people. Um, but we're going to look broader today in this context as it relates to God serving as our way maker. So three things we'll highlight as we work through. If you'd like to follow along in your bulletin, that's fine. You don't have to at all. Um, but it's always there for our convenience. And so number one is this. When we think about God as our way maker... As the waymaker, he's preserved his word and he's done so for a very specific purpose. And so that word is there to teach us to navigate life and to do so correctly. And so to me, this is wonderful. Like, God knew that we would face trials. He knew that we would have tests in life. But he didn't leave us just to try to figure it out. And that would be miserable. You know, sometimes you may have left out an instruction for your child in a project to see if they could figure it out. And God doesn't reveal for us every next step. Uh, but he's there walking us through it. And so we still have that with God. But how wonderful is it that he's preserved this word right here for this day. To help you and I through the trials that we face. And so it's like, uh, it's like a GPS. It's a guide for life. It's something that's going to give us the clarity that we need to take our next step. So let's go back to the text here. And let's look at verse 4. 
Alright, Paul's referring to things written earlier, and here's what he says. For everything that was written in the past was written to, what's it say? To teach, alright? Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And so these words are of great importance for those who follow after Jesus. Right? This is life for us, and so it's something that we need to really press into. So help me out. Anybody have a, a, a uniform under what you're wearing right now that has a C on it in the middle? You know, kind of this, like a superhero. Maybe you're super Christian. You can rip that off and, da-da, I'm a super Christian. No. So the Bible's not just for the super Christian or for those who take Christ super seriously. What Paul writes and says is that it's been written for all of us to teach us. To teach us. And so the word of God has been preserved so you and I can be learners. And so it's important that we're into the teachings of, of the scriptures. Now, one of the problems I think we have when we try to navigate life correctly is that we just don't know the word of God. And so sometimes we get ourselves in a mess because I ask you and you ask me and I give you my opinion. And I listen to yours and we try to make a decision based on our opinions when all the while we've had clear direction from God's word that we've just neglected. So let's go back here in thought for a minute. Back in Matthew 22, do you remember the story that Jesus told about, or he was asked about um, a brother who married a woman, and that brother died. And then that next brother married that same woman, and then that brother died. There were like seven brothers, and they all married the same woman. Okay? You should have had a clue by the time you got to the third or fourth brother, right? Uh, I think I'll take a pass here. <laughs> But irregardless, their question was, in heaven, whose wife will she be? Now, did Jesus go into this big explanation about, and well, she'll be all seven of their wives, and how marriage works out in heaven? No, here's what he says. Jesus replied to them, you are in what? You're in error, because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And so these guys are trying to navigate a situation based on their own opinion, based on their own understanding, and Jesus is looking at them and he says, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures. I think sometimes when we get boxed in and we're trying to find our way out, when we don't look to God, look to the scriptures for guidance, we're just like those questioning Pharisees. Right? We're missing it. We're just relying on ourselves, and the end result of that typically is not good. And so when I can't see a way out, what Paul is saying is you've got a way maker and he'll make a way for you, but you've got to look to his word. That word has been put there to, remember, teach us. So we look at people in the past in scriptures and go, they were in situations just like I was. Maybe not identical in detail, but they didn't know what they were going to do next. They turned to God and God made a way out. Right? And so he's put that in place, preserved it for you and I today, so that when we get boxed in, we can find a way out. And so look to the words that we just sang about, the words of life, to find wisdom for life. There was another group of people in John chapter 5 and they're still asking questions about these scriptures. And Jesus is going to confront them about how they missed the boat. You ever missed the boat? I mean just totally you just missed it. You didn't get the train of thought. You missed the punchline of the joke. You know somewhere along the way we just missed it. And so Jesus says you Pharisees you're reading these scriptures and you do so diligently. But you're missing the boat. You're missing the mark. You're missing the whole point of the scriptures. Here's what he says. He says, you study the scriptures, John 5, 39 and 40. 
You study the scripture diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And so they held this in high regard like this was life rather than this points to life. That by in keeping this they would have life. No, this right here, everything about scripture always points us back to the one who is the life. Right? And so that's the purpose. So he says, you're missing the boat. You've missed the mark here. You're still stuck in your box because you think if I just study Scripture, I get out. No, you study Scripture to help you see Jesus. These are the very Scriptures that testify to you about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. All right? So these Pharisees, they looked, and they were trying to learn. They just missed the point. You know, it was kind of like, well, I know 15 verses by heart. How many do you know? How many do you know? I don't know that I know 15. Yeah, I know that I know 15. What they would say is, though, it's kind of like a competition. Well, I know more than you. And so I guess I have more life than you. I'm closer to God. God loves me better. I'm a more favored child than you are. And Jesus says, no, that's foolish. Your problem is you're missing the one that the Scriptures point to. He's your way maker. He provides the way out. And so look to the Word, not just to read it, but look to the Word to supply direction to the one who is your way maker. When it seems like there's no way out, remember, your way maker. All right? God is a way maker. All right, let's go secondly here then this morning. As a way maker, he's going to help us navigate life by preserving the word for us to teach us so we can see the endurance of others and we can ourselves be able to endure. And that's true. If you're ever, like you being here this morning encourages me. It encourages me. It encourages me to keep on going. Right? When you're out there battling by yourself, like if I had showed up today and it was just me, you know, it, you start asking questions like, this is kind of hard. Like, should I keep going? You know, Scripture told us this morning, don't grow weary, don't lose heart. But sometimes when you travel that road alone, you feel like, I am getting weary, I am getting discouraged, I am losing heart. But when somebody else is there working with you, when somebody else there is running with you, and you see them endure. You see them press on. You said, well, man, I can do that too. I see them and their body's ailing them and it's failing them. But they're still loving Jesus. They're still giving him worship. They're still trying to serve. So I'll give the Lord the best that I've got with my body. Right? I mean, it builds confidence and encouragement in us as we see other people endure. And so that's one of the reasons that he is, he's preserved it. Uh, but also here our God, our way maker, is going to provide strength necessary to endure our trials. One of the things I like about God is that he's not a suck it up kind of God. You know what I mean? Has anybody ever told you that before? You find yourself, you're hurting, you're just not getting along very good, and somebody, oh, suck it up, you big baby. And there was a guy in my home church, and sometimes you'd start telling him a story, and he'd do like this right here. You ever had anybody do that to you? You know what that means? It could mean cry baby, but he'd go... Do you see anybody in there that cares? You know, which basically means suck it up, get over it. You know, quit singing your little song that nobody's really caring. Everybody's had a hard week. It's just life, all right? I'm thankful that God doesn't take that approach to us. You bunch of pansy followers, suck it up already. No, he doesn't say that to us, okay? Because he knows that when we're boxed in, we don't have the ability to suck it up. We don't have the strength needed, necessary here to be able to get out of that box. And so I'm thankful he's preserved a word, but he also told us in this word that he gives us strength. Look at this. You read here the fifth word for me. 
May the God who, what is it? Gives. May the God who gives endurance. And may the God who gives, what's the next one? And may the God who gives encouragement. May he give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. See, the same God that we read about in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, we look at these people like they're super Christian. No, they're just like you and I. They were boxed in at times, no way out, and God gave them strength. God equipped them with what was necessary to endure. So don't ever walk out of here thinking, man, I've got to just get this done. No, trust God to get it done. All right? He's the equipper. He's the one who's going to give you the strength to endure when you feel like quitting or when you feel like you've lost heart or when you feel like you have to muster it up on your own. So have you ever been in a situation where you didn't understand why you were in that situation? This is not where I thought life was going. This is not how I thought this decision would pan out. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we're just like, I don't understand what's going on here. Does God know? Yeah, so does God ever allow anything pointless in our life? I mean, is he just randomly killing time until Jesus comes back? I'll give him a disease. That'll occupy him for a while. I'll give him a bad job. That'll put him on their knees for a while. Is he just trying to just occupy our time until our heart quits beating? Or is there purpose behind everything that we go through? See, he's a purpose God. There's a point to everything. And so you and I have got to be willing to trust him, even though I may not understand my trial or my hardship. You know, sometimes we look at people on the news or maybe people in our life and we go, I could never go through that. There are people in your life who have experienced hardship. Maybe you've experienced some hardship and you say, I, I couldn't do that. And so maybe we pray, oh God, don't put that on my plate because I can't do that. I want to tell you, you can. Right? Now the goal is not, God, give me hardship just like you gave them. But what we've got to know is if God can equip them to endure, give them strength, then God can do the same thing for you and I. So with faith, we look at a situation and go, that's hard, but I know God will strengthen them to endure, and I know he would strengthen me as well. You know, in our family, Stephanie and I both have a younger brother and their wives. Both of them have had a child die. And I've never experienced that, and it's one of those, I don't want to experience that. Uh, and some of you have had some real hardships in your life as well. When you talk to these four individuals, what they'll tell you is that they never felt closer to God than they did in those days. Like God was near and there was strength and didn't make each day enjoyable, but it made each day endurable. And that's what the scripture says. It doesn't say God's going to give you this enjoyment over your hardship. He'll give you encouragement in it, but he's going to give you the strength to endure. And so was it easy? No. Was it part of the plan? No. But God gives them strength and he'll do the same thing with you. I also want you to notice here that next part. He's a God who gives endurance. So he's going to strengthen us to keep going. But he's also going to give us encouragement. Right? He's going to speak that to us that even though this is hard, I'm with you. Even though you don't understand, there's a point behind all of this. And so what you and I need to do is just take that next step of faith. And even if it means that you're walking into further heartache, even if it means I'm working into further just muddy waters, it's, it's less clear than it's ever been, but I feel like this is the right step, so I'm taking it, I'm trusting you in it. 
God says, I'm going to encourage you. It doesn't make it enjoyable, but you can find that there's purpose in it. Gives us courage to walk through it. And so there's a God who gives endurance. There's a God who's going to give us encouragement. But also notice there the purpose. And this is going to be in, uh, in verse 6. Uh, it says, so that with one mind and one voice, we may what? We may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the end result here is that you and I are given strength to endure. You and I are given encouragement to press on. And when we do, then our Father is glorified. And that's the greatest thing you, can I, you and I can ever accomplish here on this planet. And so just take that step and take it for the glory of God. Get out of bed and live your life this day for the glory of God. Sing and do so even though you're tired. You may not feel like it for the glory of God. Serve your neighbor. Right? Be open-handed. Pray for people that you don't feel like praying for for the glory of God. Right? Invest in people who have nothing for the glory of God. Talk with people who are different than you. Ultimately for the glory of God. And so God's saying here, I'll provide what's necessary to make a way out. I'll give you the strength you need and I'll encourage you to endure. And so your stories here this morning are an encouragement to me of that. How many years, how many years have you been with the Lord, Brother Herschel? How many years have you been a follower of Jesus, been saved? Since 1950. So 66 years. Okay? And so what you're doing, you're leaving a legacy of faith for people like me to follow. And many of you in this room, you're the same way. You've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And you could talk of hardships and you could talk of heartache and things that you'd never want anybody else to go through. But you could also talk about how the Lord gave you strength to endure it. And how he encouraged your weary heart. And so what the scriptures say here is when we look at people who've gone before us, it gives us encouragement to keep going on. And so Paul's right here. He's trying to give these people hope in the midst of their trials. Right? There's a reason God's left his word for us. It's to teach us. And there's a reason that we sometimes are boxed in. It's because we allow then God to provide the strength necessary to get us out. He's the encourager of my soul. And so I trust him in those moments. Alright, and then third and last here this morning. God is the way maker. He's going to cause those who trust in him to overflow with hope. And this is one of those things that really just seems like they cannot coexist. I mean, it just seems like it's very odd. Heartache and hope. You ever been there? Brokenness and peace. Complete confusion and complete clarity. Like, How do these things coexist? How can there be hope in the midst of hopelessness? They just don't seem to blend in the same recipe. They seem to be exclusive. How can I have hope when I have heartache? And so typically what we'd say is this. If I have heartache, it means I don't have hope. And if I have hope, then nothing in my life is going wrong right now. You know, Paul said this is the way of the world. Right? When he said when people face death, they grieve without hope. That is the unbeliever. They come to a funeral service and they go to a graveside and they stand there broken without hope. And what Paul's talking about here is endurance. If there's endurance, it means you've got something you've got to endure. You're going to face hardship. And he's saying in the midst of the hardship, the trial, the heartache, there's going to also be hope. 
there's going to be hope. So for those who trust in him, he says, will overflow with hope. And let's go read it here in verse 13. You know, Paul would often, in the middle of his writings, you'll find all sorts of prayers. Like typically we pray at the end, right? I mean, for me to pray right now would kind of seem out of place in a service. Nothing would be wrong with it. It's just not what typically happens. When Paul typically writes, he, he writes for a little bit and then he prays for people. And he writes a little bit more and he says, pray for me. And he writes a little bit more and then he says, grace Grace be with you. And so here he's going to write a prayer for these, for these believers here in Rome. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the key here is in that little word, trust. And for you and I, if we're going to overflow with hope, that all hinges on as you trust in Him. He's the God of hope. He's got all joy. He's got all peace. He can cause anybody to overflow with hope. But the only ones who will overflow with hope are those who trust in Him. And so he's making it key here that we put our trust in our way maker. And so God's promised to do some things here, right? It's, it's like taking a cup and filling it full of water. And we'll call that water peace. And then it's taking another cup, filling the same cup full of like orange juice. And we'll call that here joy, all right? And so you mix these two together, what do you get? A you, got, you got this overflowing cup of peace and joy, which Paul says is hope. So God's going to fill us with all joy. God's going to fill us with all peace so that as we trust in Him, He's going to cause this concoction in us to overflow with what? With, with joy or with hope here, with hope specifically. So where we trust in God, that's where we have an assurance in our way maker. You know, God has a way of making a way where there seems to be no way. Have you ever heard that song? Don Moen wrote that song. It'd probably be good for us to learn that one. God made a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He'll make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. All right, so that's what we're talking about here this morning, that our God is a way maker. He helps make a way with joy, with peace, with an overflowing hope, even in the midst of heartache or brokenness or struggle. And so let's see if this is true. Let's try to prove this, the Bible, with what the Bible says. Did God make a way for Joseph? You remember Joseph, right? Joseph tried to honor God, and Joseph finds himself in a dungeon forgotten. Did God make a way for him? Absolutely. God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. For whatever reason, a couple years later, one of these guys remembers there's an interpreter in the dungeon. Somebody go get him, call him up here to Pharaoh. Sure enough, he did, and now or Potiphar, and now he's going to serve as second in command over all of Egypt. I just wish we could have talked to Joseph in that dungeon. I think he might have thought, man, I don't know if there's a way out of here. And what we see, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. What about Moses? Remember when Moses finally got to leave Egypt? And he was faced with the Red Sea in front of him and the Egyptian army behind him and all these people started belly aching just like I would have. You bring us out here to die? This is dumb. We should have stayed back there. You know it was bad, but we didn't have the plagues. They had the, you know, we could have justified going back. And yet God makes a way where there seems to be no way. 
It's kind of like we talk about you go to that dead end street and you go, I can't go anywhere from here. I don't see how to get out of this. Listen, with God, he can make a way. He can put a road where there is no road. And he did that exactly for Moses and the Israelites. He led them through the Red Sea and you know that story. What about Gideon? Remember when Gideon only had a few hundred men and he was going to go battle thousands? Did God make a way there? I think I'd be terrified if I knew the numbers. You know, the odds wouldn't be in our favor, but God is. And so when God's in your favor, God's in your corner, God's on your side, he can make a way where there seems to be no way. What about a uh, slingshot-packing, stone-carrying David, the little shepherd boy? You think you'd go to battle today with a slingshot? Is that what you've got beside your bed, under your pillow? A couple of five smooth stones, like, you come in my house and I got you, buddy. No. We don't trust in that kind of stuff today. It was fine for David, right? He walked out there with a stone, put it in a sling, and God made a way where there seems to be no way this little boy being heckled was able to do something extremely that seemed hopeless to all the Israelites. What about the three teenage boys in the fire? Remember that story? They wouldn't give in to God, or they wouldn't give in to King, and so the king threw them in the furnace. What happened to them? Alright, so we've got a fourth person showing up and you know, we only put three in, now there's four in there. Did they come out of that fire? They absolutely did. See, if I'm standing before a furnace getting ready to be thrown in, I don't know that I'm thinking I'm going to walk right back out of this. I'm probably thinking I have finished my race. You know, it's time for me to come to the end. I'm just, I'm just about to be promoted. And maybe that's what these guys felt as well. You know, they said... Even if God doesn't save us, O king, we won't bow to you. So there was maybe some uh, ideas there of whether or not God was going to bring them out. Sure enough, he provides a way out. You can say the same thing with their friend Daniel, right? Threw him into the hungry lions and God provided a way out for Daniel. Now you might think about Paul and everything that he experienced. Now he was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. He was left for dead. All sorts of things happened to Paul, and yet God continually provided the way out because he's a way maker. You know, I wish we could talk, and maybe one day we will, with all the blind people and all those who were diseased and all those who were crippled and handicapped from birth. Did you think that somewhere along the way that they thought their condition was going to get better? You know, maybe they just thought, this is how it's going to be for all of my life. And yet God provided a way for them to be cured of their disease and to have their disabilities removed you know to be able to see or to be able to hear or to be able to talk he made a way where nobody else could make a way you know, even when you think about God's own son God led Jesus into a borrowed tomb that was a dark day and there were people who were thinking there's no way out of this here we've given up everything to follow this Jesus and he lays dead in a tomb we know how the story ends, right? Three days later, God leads that Savior out of that borrowed tomb alive. See, God has a way of making a way where there seems to be no way. I think about Stephen, too. To me, that he's kind of the, the contrast to all this. You remember Stephen, that first martyr who stood up for, for Christ. And it cost him his life. You know, we would tend to look at that as a life cut short. 
But for Stephen, it was just that promotion. He was just moved ahead in the front of the line. It was time for him to go. Remember, Paul said, for me to live is okay. It's for Christ. It's my purpose. But if I die, that's just gain. God will make a way. He always does where there seems to be no way. So here this morning, I'm getting ready to close this, but if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. You may not like the situation you currently find yourself in. It may not be what you had planned. You may not like what's coming down the road here. You may feel ill-equipped or unprepared for the events of this week. You may find yourself boxed in or feel like there's no way out. The truth of the matter is this. The same God who led you in is the same God who will lead you out. So you've got to trust that. You've got to know that. Whatever it is that you face or I face through this coming week, whatever it is that we're dealing with right now, He's a way maker. And so look to Him. Hold to Him. Pray to Him. Wait on Him. And what He's promised is, I'll make that way. It may be something that you've never thought of before, but He'll make a way. And what He says all along the way, what I'm going to do I'm going to fill you with all joy. I'm going to fill you with all peace so that you overflow with hope. I'm going to give you strength so you can endure. I'm going to give you encouragement so you can keep on. All right? He's just saying, I am this God who's making a way for what it is that you're dealing with. Now, how do we know this to be true? Well, we know it to be true based on what we just read here in part. We know it to be true because it's been preserved in the Word of God. We know it to be true because it has worked for them. We know it to be true as well because when I read this, I get encouraged. Does it encourage you? I mean, a God that can lead me into heartache can lead me out of that same heartache better than I ever thought I could be. Remember Romans 5 that talks about when you face difficulty, it's, just, it's for a purpose. So persevere in it because it's going to build your character. And as you persevere in it, you're going to find yourself with great hope. And so we find ourselves encouraged. We find ourselves with peace. We find ourselves with joy. We find ourselves overflowing with hope even though everything around us may be hopeless. And so he's a God who makes a way because he's a way maker. And he's made a way for us to be forgiven. He's made a way for us to be a part of his family. He's made a way for us to endure while we're here. Listen, he's going to make a way for you to live out your life as a witness for him. Do you trust him with that? God, open me up to people who need you. Connect me with people who don't know you. Use my life. He's gifted you for a purpose, not so they just sit on a shelf, but to be used. He'll make a way while you still have breath. He'll make a way for me. And so I just wonder today, what is it you need to trust him with? Now, Paul wrote and he says, I'm praying for you. I want you to overflow with hope. I want you to know all peace and all joy. But the only way you're going to know that is that you, if you trust in the God who may currently be leading you through something that's just really difficult. Maybe there's something in your life you need to trust to Him today. Maybe it all just boils down to this. God, my life's in your hands. So whatever you want to do with it, here you go. Could be somebody in your life who's struggling right now. Family member, friend. Could be a decision you've got to make and you're just not real sure how to go about it. Can you trust God with it? Could be a worry you can't find relief from. Can you just trust it to God? And go forward in hope. Go forward in joy. Go forward with peace. Maybe today you just say, I'll trust in you. Come what may. I know that you'll, you'll make a way for me.